Well, hello again. Welcome back to the Bible teaching channel of a love outreach. My name is Dave Nelson. Um, we are doing something a little bit different. Um, as I've mentioned on a couple of Wednesday nights before, we're just calling this Wednesday Night Live, and uh, we're just kind of opening it up um, to see if anybody has any prayer requests. You know, I will read some scriptures, kind of go through that just to kind of fill some time to, to fill some airspace while people are maybe asking questions, you know, or, you know, uh, asking for prayer. But that's what we'd love to be about tonight. And as you can see, maybe if you could read the banner going across the bottom of the screen, you should see a banner there. But um, if you'd want to ask a question, but you really do not want to be, um, you want to be anonymous, you can do that as well by simply watching um, or by simply emailing a love outreach at gmail.com. So there's nothing scripted here tonight. Um, this is not one of my normal Bible teachings that I do. Hello to Isaac, who's joining us from Oregon. Good to have you here again, brother. Hope all is well with you. Um, how are things going for you? Let me know. Um, but yeah, so here we are again. And uh, what I'm going to do is go ahead and um, start reading from uh, Romans chapter 8 tonight. Um, this just came on my heart a little while ago, came on my mind, however you want to say it. And uh, I thought, well, we'll just go ahead and read through that tonight. And like I said, I'll kind of keep my eye on the comments here for anybody that has any prayer requests or any questions, or maybe if, maybe even while we're reading the scriptures tonight, that, that it might spark some questions in your heart or on your mind or whatever um, that we can help you with. And again, look, uh, let me kind of specify this. I have said this in times past that I do not aim to make this Wednesday Night Live about theological debates or you know, things like that. It's more about matters of the heart. What's going on in your life? You know, what's going on in your soul? Um, you know, maybe in your emotions and things like that, that we can pray for you about. That's what this is about tonight. So if the questions get, you know, politically based or, you know, um, anything that could be contentious, I'll probably just ignore it um, or not answer it. But anyway, just giving you a fair warning on that. But so, yeah. So anyway, that's what this is about. And thank you for joining us um, wherever you're joining us from. As it says across the bottom there, if you want to comment and uh, let us know where you are watching from, as Isaac from Oregon has done here, um, please do so. But yeah, so let's see. Actually, before I get started with the reading here, let me read a comment. Good to hear, Isaac. Thank you for the comment. Um, he's preparing for, uh, if you guys want to pray for Isaac in Oregon, he is prepping for college and doing some Bible studying and uh, appreciates these live streams something for him to fall back on he says well i'm thankful that you're here isaac god bless you man it's good to hear from you again good to see you here so anyway let me go ahead and read some scriptures and i'll pop back over to the comments now and then and read what's happening there so i am in reading tonight from on this little devotional and we'll see maybe we'll just go through all the verses we'll stop however the lord leads you know whatever comes up but verse 1 of Romans chapter 8 is where I'm starting here. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, we see something stated there, right? That's only half of the verse I just read. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But here's a kind of a qualifying part of verse one here. It says, who, in other words, it's speaking of the people that are in Christ Jesus, who, it says, do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So as born again Christians, people that have been 
born again of the Spirit of God, we are to be known as people that do not walk in accordance with the flesh, but rather we're walking in accordance with the Spirit. And that word Spirit there, I'm reading from the New King James Version, by the way, and that word Spirit there in the New King James Version is capitalized. It is speaking about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, that which we are born again of when we come to Christ, right? And it says there's no condemnation for those people that are in Christ Jesus who are walking in the spirit and that's the key and you know really in everyday life every day we wake up we have the choice we have the opportunity to let our lives be lived in such a way that we are walking in the flesh in other words led by our carnal mind and our our own will and and you know being the captain of our own ship or we can choose to live a life where we are led by the spirit of the lord and what does it take to be led by the Spirit of the Lord. Well, it really takes taking up the cross daily, as the scripture tells us. In other words, dying to ourselves. Because every single day that we wake up, you know, we're still carnal people. We're still struggling with things. We're still living in a fallen world where things go awry and things get messed up and we trip and we stumble and we fumble through life in many ways, right? you know, from a practical standpoint I'm talking about, right? And that can wear on us and that can eat at us and that can beat us up, right? But when we're walking in the spirit, we're, we're people that are then spiritually minded people, okay? And the fruit of the spirit, as I've mentioned many times, and I've probably mentioned it every Wednesday night for the last few Wednesdays, but the fruit of the spirit is to walk in love and peace and joy and patience and self-control and faithfulness and gentleness and goodness, right? That's the person that is led by the spirit that is in Christ. So that's why the scripture says here, there's no condemnation for that person. Why? Because we're walking in the ways of the Lord. And that is the aim of this channel and the ministry, a love outreach to exhort people to come to Jesus, to have faith in Jesus, to walk in the spirit, and to be led by the Lord. We're everyday people. We live in a world where we gotta get up, we gotta go to work, we gotta do things, we face trials, we face tribulation, we, like I said, we, we fall on our face and things like that, right? But we can be led by the Spirit. So that's a lot of time to be spending on verse one there. But anyway, um, verse two goes on to say here, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ, so again, a person that's born again of the spirit has the spirit of the Lord come within them after they have repented and turned their lives over to him. The law of the spirit of life, remember Jesus said that he has come that we might have life and life more abundantly. It says it has made us free from the law of sin and death. So we don't have to be ruled by sin anymore. Right now, remember, prior to Jesus coming, everything was all about the law, right? There's over 600 and some laws, you know, and you can read the Old Testament and it's all about that law, right? But Jesus came to set us free, right? And we have, we've been set free, but now we're no longer led by the law. We're, we're now led by the Spirit of the Lord, again. But what's the evidence of the Spirit of the Lord in a person's life? Well, the evidence would be love and peace and joy and all those things that I mentioned that are called the fruit of the Spirit that you can find in the book of Galatians. So the Apostle Paul is writing this to the, to the believers in the city of Rome, and he says, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. What does that mean? That means that we can't keep the law, can we? We're always going to fall. We're always going to stumble. We need something more. We all needed something more than just the law, right? We needed some sort of strength within us, something from within us that would keep us in the way. It says, for what the law could not do and in that it was weak through the flesh. In other words, the flesh you know, you've heard the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, right? That's what happens in our lives. He said, but what was the cure? What was the cure for the weakness of our flesh? What's the cure today for the weakness of your flesh, my flesh? What do you need? What do I need in that case? Well, it says that God did something about this by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh 
on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. This is where we, we hear the scripture that, that Jesus became the propitiation, right? Not an everyday word in our language, right? But he became the substitute for us. He took, he took the blame. He took the blame of our sin. He took it all upon himself, right? And we are through faith in him and through his spirit coming within us are set free, right? And he says in verse four, Paul, the apostle Paul writes that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So you see, the law required righteousness. The flesh is weak, okay? So, but there is a way that we can fulfill the law, the righteous requirement of the law. There is a way to live up to it. How is that? By not walking in the flesh, by not being the captain of your own ship, not being the one who thinks you're in control of everything, but rather, again, taking up the cross, like I said in the beginning here, dying to yourself and giving your life to Christ and being led by the Spirit of the Lord. So we do that like verse four of Romans eight here says, according to the Spirit. That's how we do this. So then verse five goes on, for those who live according to the flesh. Now notice the distinction there. There's a distinction being made. There are those that live according to the flesh and those that live according to the the spirit, and I'll expound on that again here, or a little bit more here in just a minute. I think, um, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. There's the key, right? If we're fixing our minds, we're setting our minds every day on this life now that we see right now, everything that we have. And we look at our lives and we have sickness and we have disease and we have murder and we have corruptness and all of that kind of stuff in our world. And, and even in our own bodies, we may suffer from pain. We may have emotional distress. We may lose a loved one, right? And all of these things take a toll on our lives. And all of these things are reality. And, and, and Jesus knows this. You know, he knows that this is, that's part of this life. And he's told us that in this world we would have tribulation. But we could be of good cheer because of what he has done and who he is, right? So, but the thing is, is it's a matter of where we are setting our minds. The Apostle Paul is the one who also wrote to the, in Philippians, right? The book of Philippians. He said that we are to think on things that are good and lovely, and of good report, virtuous things, setting our minds on those things, right? Being renewed in the spirit of our minds. This is something that can happen, but it only can happen by the work of the Lord and the will of the Lord when we submit our lives to the work of the Lord and to the will of the Lord. Are you seeing any questions coming through? Okay, because I'm seeing different ones over here, but okay. But... um. So verse six goes on to say, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So you see the difference there? Again, it's talking about the person led by the flesh and led by the spirit. How do we get there? We get there by dying to ourselves, like taking up the cross on a daily basis and saying, Lord, you lead me today. You be the one that leads me through this life today. And look, there's going to be trials. There's going to be tribulation. And when you do that, there might even be more that comes your way because Satan, the enemy, the father of lies, wants to distract you from where you really should be. And that is having, a, having your being spiritually minded, right? Um, where it says life and peace, right? That abundant life that Jesus can give us and having that peace, right? The Satan wants to distract you from that. So you may have a little bit more bumps in the road. And look, I've been in Christ for, I don't know, since 1986, however many years that is, right? Walking by faith, let me say that, right? Trusting in him, fighting the fight, stumbling through life, banging my head here and there, you know, all kind of things happen in life. You know, there's no 
temptation that is overtaking us, the scripture says, then such is common to man. It is common to all of us to struggle when we go through this life. And coming to Christ, if anyone has ever told you, when you come to Christ, you have your best life now, they're not reading this Bible, okay? They're, they're, they're not reading the scriptures. They're giving you some motivational mumbo jumbo so that you'll support them and you'll follow them, you know, and things like that. But that's not what the scripture teaches. And that's what I want to encourage you with when I come online like this. I want to encourage you to get into the scriptures and know it for yourself. You know, if, you know, it talks about in uh, Acts in the book of Acts, it talks about a group of people called the Bereans, right? And, and it calls them a noble people. They lived in a city, a town, a region called Berea, right? They were called the Bereans. And it says that they were noble people and, and that the good thing that they did was when the apostle Paul, and I believe it was Barnabas at the time who was with Paul, when, when they, he came along preaching the word of God to them and, and teaching them and trying to exhort them to, to Christ and things like that, it says that they went and searched the scriptures to find out if these things are true. And that's what I want to encourage you, whether you listen to me or anyone else, search the scriptures yourself and find out whether these things are true, what you're hearing. Okay, or what you're learning. Don't just don't just blindly follow any man, any religion, any church, you know, organization or institution. Know the Lord for yourself because you can, because his spirit will come and indwell you and you can then be that spiritually minded person. But again, it's not gonna be easy. I'm not telling you it's easy. Right When I say I've been walking with the Lord for 36 years, trust me, it's not been easy. I've had a lot of bumps in the road, a lot of hiccups, a lot of falling on my face and all of that kind of stuff, right? But the Lord is good and the Lord is faithful, okay? And this is what, and we'll see if I make it to verse 28 tonight, you know, or I think it's 28, right? How many verses are in this chapter? Oh no, there's far more than 28, there's 39. But anyway, if I make it down there a little ways tonight, um, we'll see that that's what Paul's gonna encourage these people to do, that hey, stay, stay, the Lord is good, the Lord is faithful, he's gonna take you through this. But look, if you're going through life, and I know I'm talking a lot here, and, but if you're going through life and you, you're trying to be that person that's the captain of your own ship, maybe you never knew any better, maybe that's just how you were raised up, whatever, you know, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, you know, that type of mentality. You know, I found for me that that failed quickly in life. I was 21 years old when I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ because I realized I was a mess and I couldn't do it from an internal standpoint. And people call that a crutch. Thank you, Jesus, for being my crutch. I will gladly have a crutch if it's Jesus, okay? So anyway, so he says in verse six, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So there's the contrast, right? We can fix our eyes on this world. We can focus on this life and all of that and fix our eyes on all of our troubles and it's just gonna make us miserable and it's just gonna make us angry, you know? And look, again, been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, right? Because verse seven says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Now that's a fact right there. Of course, it's a fact. It's the scripture. It's the word of God. It says the carnal mind is enmity against God. In other words, it's fighting against God. Proverbs, I quote this verse a lot. Proverbs says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end of it is the way of death, right? So the Lord has something good for us, right? But our mind wants to think, well, I can take control of this. I'm fine through this life. And look, you know, some people go 80 years through life and they're all about themselves and they're all about what they've done and everything seems fine. But what about the end? What about when this life is over and we read other scriptures and we find out, excuse me, what there is to come, right? 
So again, what is the will of God? Well, we know that our carnal mind, it fights against the things of God. Unless we're born again and we have the mind of Christ and we're yielding to the leading of the spirit. It says in verse seven, for it goes on and says, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. Again, what is the law of God? The law of God is righteousness. And we're being told from the scripture that our carnal mind, that is our natural man, our natural mind, cannot, you know, follow that way. Now, you may know some people in your life, maybe even some monks and things like that, that go off and they're devoutly religious and they go off and, and they serve and all of that kind of stuff, right? But that's not what the New Testament teaches, right? The New Testament teaches that we need to die to ourselves, take up the cross and follow in the ways of the Lord and be led by the Spirit of the Lord. When I say it's not what the, what the New Testament teaches, when I talk about monks, I mean, what I'm trying to get at here is I'm saying that it's not, we cannot follow the law. That's what verse seven is telling us here. It, we, we can't do it. You know, it, our carnal mind is enmity against God. It's not subject to the law of God. And it says, nor indeed can it be. It's just an impossibility. So, so in verse eight, then he says, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So no matter how devoutly religious you are, right? If you're not born of the spirit, this is why Jesus told a man named Nicodemus, he told him, you must be born again. You must be born again, right? Now, that's, that's something that has gone by the wayside over the years. People don't want to hear it. There's a, negative over, there's a negative thing to, you know, are you born again? You know, oh, are you one of those born again Christians? Well, there is, scripturally speaking, now, I know that there's a bunch of religions that call themselves Christian, right? But from a biblical standpoint, and again, that's what I'm pointing you to, all right, don't listen to me, but go to the Bible from a biblical standpoint. The only type of Christian there is, is a born again Christian. Okay, those that are born of the Spirit. And that's what Paul's talking about here in Romans chapter 8. And he says in verse 9, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Then look at this. He says, if, let me read it again, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. So that's how we belong to the Lord, right? We're born of the spirit. We're sealed with his Holy Spirit. Again, how do we get there? Through faith. Faith. Do you understand what faith is? It's not something you see. It's not something you feel. It's not something that makes you feel good every day you know, and all of that kind of stuff, right? Sometimes, like I said, there's trouble and Jesus said it would be so, okay? So, but um, verse 10 says, and if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, right? So you've died to your sinful nature, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. So if Christ is in us, right, who is righteous, who paid the, the debt for our sin and his spirit comes within us, then we have righteousness within us. The question is, is are we yielding to that righteousness or are we being led by the flesh? And this is a daily battle. This is a daily battle, something that's why Paul, when he came to the end of his life, he said, I have fought the fight. I have kept the faith. He, he said he fought the fight, meaning it was a battle. It was a struggle, you know, to fight the fight of faith. It's a struggle because our mind, our carnal mind wants to take control and it's enmity against God. And we realize we fall short and we, we fall on our face and all of these things in this life, right? But we need to be yielded to the spirit and we have the spirit of the Lord within us that is righteousness because of him, right? But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So again, we have the spirit of the Lord within us and we can walk in accordance with the fruit of the spirit. But also there's going to come that time when 
this body will be no, I mean, my spirit, your spirit will no longer be within this body that we now dwell. And we're headed toward that time. And as long as the Lord tarries, as long as the Lord returns, death is 100% effective. We're all going to die. We're headed to that place, right? And then we will, we will no longer be in this body, but we're going to receive a new body, the scripture tells us, okay? But he says, therefore, brethren, in verse 12, so Paul's writing to believers here, and he says, therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. In other words, it's not how we should be living, right? He says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So we can have that eternal life through the spirit of the Lord, right? If we live according to the flesh, it's just death. It's just sin. It's just unrighteousness. And we fall short of the glory of God, okay? But if we live through the Spirit, we'll put to death the deeds of the body because the Spirit of the Lord will give us the strength and the power to do so. And he says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Have you ever heard people say, well, we're all children of God. Now, the children of God are those that are led by the Spirit of God. You must be born again to be a child of God. Okay, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again, verse 15 says, to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Now that word, Abba, you may know this, it just means daddy, right? It's that intimate relationship that we can have with God through faith in Jesus Christ and through the spirit. He says, but you have received the spirit of adoption, right? And it's not a spirit that puts us into bondage, that puts us to, you know, into sin and death lifestyle. That's not what the spirit of the Lord does, okay? So those that are led by the spirit, these are the children of God. The spirit himself, verse 16 says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So the spirit of the Lord confirms that within us as we continue to press on and walk by faith. And he says, and, and if children, in other words, and if you're children of God, then you're heirs, you're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus or with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together with him. Now, I talk about this. I've said this in times past. There's Bible promise books out there that you can read, you know, that have all the, you know, the wonderful things, maybe even taken out of context, scriptures that all put in there. But the Bible tells us that we will indeed suffer in this life. You do suffer persecution. You do suffer pain. You do suffer sickness. You do suffer failures, things not going your way, things not working out right. But Jesus has done something to give us life and life more abundantly. And we can be spiritually minded people today who have life and peace rolling and reigning within us. And he says, though, Paul goes on, though, to say, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time, in other words, what we struggle with right now, what we're going through in this life, he says it's not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. In other words, what's coming is wonderful. What's coming in the future for us is wonderful. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love him. That's what the scripture tells us. And right here in verse 19 of Romans 8, it says, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. All of creation is waiting for that time when Christ is going to return, there'll be a new heavens and a new earth and everything will be restored to being all good. But we're not living in that time now. It's not all good, if you haven't noticed. 
If you have, all you got to do is watch the news, which I tend to avoid, and look at all that kind of stuff that goes on in this world. It's not good, but there is something good coming. For the creation was sub- subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Again, there will be a new heavens, the heavens meaning the sky above us, you know, what is above us, and a new earth. And that's where righteousness will dwell. And Jesus Christ will be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let me look over here at the comments for a minute. I can actually make this font bigger, but I always have to put my glasses on. When someone surrenders their life to Christ, is there a pivotal moment where there is immediate life-changing Um, desires for a new believer. Well, that happens with some people, right? But for example, with me, it didn't happen like that. I mean, there was a radical day in my life, um, a point where um, a pivotal moment, to use your word there, right, where I made a choice to say I'm surrendering to the Lord. But then there was like a cleansing process that went on in my life. And look, I'm not perfect when I say that. You know, I don't want anybody to think, oh, I'm pure and all of that kind of stuff. But there was, there was a renewing of my mind that began to take place. And that's what happens, I believe, for most believers that I have known, right? There's just this process of maturity. And even the Apostle Paul talks about like, um, when someone comes to Christ, they're a newborn babe. They're a baby in Christ, and um, they they need to desire the sincere milk of the word that they may grow thereby. So he's you know he's using an analogy there to talk about like a baby, and that's what happens is we come to Christ as like a a baby, like an infant, and we need the milk, the sincere milk of the word. The apostle said to grow thereby. That helps us to grow and to become stronger, and it increases our faith, right? But also, when you think about a baby, you know, trying to walk and falling, trying to walk and falling, banging their head, all of that applies to our lives spiritually as well, right? So, there's a growth process, but we shouldn't remain as babies, right? We should grow. We should grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. We should mature, right? as the new man with the spirit of the Lord within us, flushing us out, washing us out. I always picture, I I, I used to teach a bunch of youth years ago, um, and I used to use an analogy with them of like, if you took like a, I just say a five-gallon bucket, right, full of mud, full of dirt, or just full of dirt, let's say, and then you took a hose and you stuck it in there and you just let that hose just keep running, keep running, keep running, keep running, keep running. Eventually, all that dirt comes out and then there's the pure water that's left, right? And we're constantly going through that maturation process of growing in the Lord. So I suppose that, like I say, my conversion was somewhat radical the way it took place um, for me, but there was also a growth process. And quite frankly, I'm, I, you know, 36 years later, I, I guess it's been, still learning, still growing in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. Even the apostle Paul said that of himself. He said, I do not consider myself to have arrived, but this one thing I do, forgetting what that which is behind, and that's the important thing, is we, we have that time in our life, that pivotal moment, as you mentioned there, Isaac, where we come to Christ and, and we don't look back and we press on, we keep pressing on in the Lord. Um, I've always thought that the transformation to be radical and immediate, but I have observed that my Christian conversion was slower and more gradual over time. Amen. That's what I just addressed. I I agree with you on that. Um, I've struggled with this fact being that, uh, that maybe there was something wrong with my testimony or sin in my present that had stopped from truly surrendering my life. Now, You know, again, we live in this messed up world. It's kind of like, I don't know why this analogy is coming to my head right now, but like, let's say that we're hiking together somewhere and we come up to a mountain and, 
and we can try to go over this mountain, we can try to go around this mountain, or let's say that I say to you, uh, there's a, a cave right here, we see the entrance of a cave, and I say, hey, I've been here, done this, I've been through this before, and I know that we can go through this mountain, that we can go right on through in the cave here and it's gonna lead us out the other side because I've been there and been through that, right? Now also, as I, as you, as I go through it, I could say, hey, when we get like 20 yards in, duck your head to the left because you know that's where I cut my head open. I banged it there, you know what I mean? So there are things that we all learn and grow in and that we struggle with and it's not immediate. It's, you know, it's, it's lifelong. I mean, I'm telling you, um, I mean, even I would, I will tell you honestly that even within the last like four years of my life, I have suffered with a lot of chronic pain in my life and it kind of fundamentally really affected me. Um, you know, a lot about me. It affected me in a, in a way that kind of shocked me and surprised me. And what I mean it affected me, I'm not just talking about the physical pain affecting me, but how it affected me emotionally and mentally and such, right? But I have found now, four years into it, and I'm not 100% out of it, but four years into it, I have found that, yeah, I can look back and count that as joy, what I've gone through, you know, um, because I've grown in, I've grown in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord of it, you know? So who knows, you know? Maybe there's more struggles like that ahead for me. So I would encourage you that just stay the course, run the race, keep the faith, keep going, keep going, because again, eye has not seen and ear has not heard and nor has, it hasn't entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love him. So you don't know what's ahead. I don't know what's ahead. In terms of while I'm on this earth, I mean, I don't even know what's, you know, what, what the future holds, you know, right? But I do know that ultimately we're, we're gonna ever be with the Lord. But thank you for sharing that, Isaac, and bringing that up because I'm sure that there are many people with that type of question on their heart or, you know, wondering about that type of thing in life. So, yeah, hopefully that answered that for you. Um, we have Gettysburg, Pennsylvania watching. So we go from Oregon to Pennsylvania on here. And um, so, yeah, thanks for that. You know what? Let me pray for you, Isaac. Lord God, we thank you for Isaac, Lord. We thank you for his willingness to share his heart, Lord, because again, all of us struggle. All of us go through trials and emotional pain and even physical pain in this life and things that just wear us down and beat us down, Lord. And we all need to be encouraged. We all need to be exhorted, Lord, on a daily basis that this life is not all there is. Yeah, there are times of smooth sailing in this life. There are times when things are good, Lord, and, and the road seems good and all that, Lord. And I pray that we don't forget you in those times, Lord, but oftentimes when we stumble and we trip up, that's you know when it causes us to look up, Lord. So tripping and stumbling can be a good thing, Lord, and it is a struggle, Lord. So I pray for my brother here who brings this up, Lord, and anyone else out there that may be watching or listening now or listening to the recording of this in the future, Lord. I just pray, Lord, for each and every one of us, Lord, that we will fix our eyes on you, that we will be a people that truly are born of your spirit, led by your spirit, Lord, and directed and guided by your spirit, that we would care about the things of God, the things of eternal life, Lord. It's easy to see this world. It's easy, Lord, to care about the things in this world, Lord, but oftentimes we get bogged down with the cares of this life, and that's why you say, Lord, in your word, and Peter, it says that we can cast our cares upon you, for you care for us. So we thank you, Lord, that you do care. And again, Lord, I just lift up Isaac in this, Lord, and thank you for his desire to, to know you and to grow in you, Lord. So, amen, Jesus, amen. So, thank you, Isaac. I'm, I'm glad that helps you. So let's just, um, you know, for this, you know, if you guys need to drop out, drop out, 
or whatever, I'm going to go ahead and read a little bit more. And again, if there's something you need prayer for, something you want me to pray for you about, I would love to do it. That's what this is about. Um, but so just to kind of spend some more time and there's no better way to spend time than in the word of God, I will go ahead and read on, right? Verse 22, for we know that the whole creation, excuse me, groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also, but we also who have the first fruits of the spirit, talking about born again Christians, right? Even we groan ourselves within, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. That's what I'm talking about tonight. Well, that's what the scriptures are talking about. More importantly here is like, we just long to be out of here. Look, my life is blessed. I love my wife. I love my children. I love my grandchildren, my family, extended family, friends. I'm blessed, but I still long to be out of here. Not, not so that I could be just nowhere, but that because I know where I'm going because of Jesus and because of his spirit within me, right? So that's what the Apostle Paul is teaching the Romans here, the Roman believers here, uh, those of the city of Rome that were born again, right? He's teaching them here in Romans chapter eight that I'm reading. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. Look at that. Hope that is seen is not hope, right? He says, for why does one still hope for what he sees? In other words, I don't have to hope that I have something to drink, like my Arnold Palmer. I see it. I have it. I needed that drink. That's why I brought that up. I have it right here. I don't have to hope for it, right? It's, it's here. But what lies ahead for us as people who come to faith in Jesus Christ, we can't see it. We don't see it. So we, we hope for it. We just live, we live by faith. We live faith, hope, and love, right? These, th these three things remain, Paul says, right? That's how we live, right? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Key scripture right there, Romans 8, 25. Those two words at the end, with perseverance. Does that sound easy? Why do we have to persevere if it's easy? It's not easy. It's not easy to walk by faith. It's not easy to stay the course. It's a battle, it's a struggle, it's a fight, and we gotta persevere. And then he says, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered, right? So the Spirit of the Lord does that work within us. And, you know, and cry, you know, knows that, hey, we got to get out of here. There's a better place to be. And sometimes, man, we're going through things and struggles in life that we don't even know how to pray for it. We don't even know what to say or what to pray. Maybe you lost a loved one and that's so devastating. Maybe you've got news of cancer or some sickness in your family or yourself and it's so devastating. Right? But the spirit of the Lord within you will help you through that. That's why Jesus made it such an emphasis that we must be born again of the spirit. And verse 27 tells us that he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So who's searching our heart? The Lord is searching our heart. And he knows the mind of the spirit, the spirit of his own spirit that is within us, the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of God that's within us, that is making intercession for us according to the will of God. That's another key point right there because oftentimes we might pray for something that's just all about our will. You know, what, what we want, what we think we need, what we think we should have and all of that kind of stuff, right? But is it the will of God? And that's what we need to be committed to and submitted to the will of God. And we know that all things, here's the verse I was talking about when I said 28 verses. I was thinking of verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. 
And there's the key. Do we live our lives in such a manner that we love God? If we do, it's, it's all gonna work out for good. Even the times of hardship and even the times of pain and suffering, God's gonna get us through it and we're gonna end up where it's all good, right? To those who are the called according to his purpose. Here again, we see the will of God being talked about. We see the purpose of God being talked about. And that's what we need to be committed to and submit it to. So, I have been 45 minutes doing this. And uh, you know what? I might as well just go on here. I've got about 10 more verses to do. <laughs> uh, you, know how, you know how pastors and preachers are. They just don't know when to stop. But anyway, you know what? You, it's under your control. You just have to push the button and you turn me off, whatever your button is, right? Just turn me off. But I'll keep going for right now. Verse 29, for whom he foreknew, he also did predestine to become, to be conformed to the image of his son. That's what God is doing in the life of the person that surrenders to him. He's conforming us. So going back to your, to the question that was asked earlier, right, about that, that radical transformation, right, that automatically happens. You know, there, there's a forming process, right, where God is conforming us to the image of his son, right? He's making us, he's molding us, and he's shaping us to be the men and the women that he desires for us to be, okay? Now, most people don't want to spend much time, you know, paying attention to who they are spiritually, but we spend so much time on our outward appearance and things like that, right? But it's important that we realize that what God is doing in us spiritually is, a, is what is of the utmost importance. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? This is a wonderful verse too. Verse 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? Again, when you put it in the right perspective, where yeah, there's things that can go wrong in life, but God's working it out. We're trusting in him. He's doing something. He's, the scripture says that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. And, he, and it says that he is working in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. Again, oftentimes though, remember what I read earlier, the carnal mind is enmity with God. What we want is not always what God wants. Our thoughts are not his thoughts, Isaiah says. Our ways are not his ways. His ways are much higher than ours. He sees what we don't see. He knows, he knows the end from the very beginning. He, he knows everything. He knows all. And he's working this out. But so often we just want what we want. You know? Um, we want what we want and we want it now, right? What's that TV commercial? J.G. Wentworth. It's my money and I want it now. <laughs> right? But that's the way we often are, Right? I want this and I want it now, right? See, it's so good to have an audience of my wife who laughs at something I say, right? He, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Again, all things that are within his will, all things that are according to his purpose. We got to take it within the context. A lot of people will take a scripture like that and pull it out and say, God gives me all things. Give me that Mercedes Benz. God gives me all things. Give me that mansion. God gives me all things. Give me that diamond ring, you know, whatever the case may be, right? But no, he's working out things according to his will and his purpose. So we can't just pull scripture out. We got to read it all in its context, right? So um, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God who makes intercession for us? You see, that's where the Lord is. And he's making intercession for us. He ascended into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of God and he makes intercession for us. You know what that means? He's praying on your behalf. He's taking care of things for you. He's looking out for your best interests, which again is why the scripture says we can cast all of our cares upon him for he cares for us. He's looking out for us. Who shall separate us from the love 
of Christ, Paul says. He says, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril of, or sword. In other words, there we, have, we might have times in life where we have nothing. We have tribulation and distress and persecution and all that kind of stuff. As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So the Apostle Paul, again, is just encouraging these believers, and that's what I hope is happening in your heart as it's happening in mine, that we be encouraged to, to stay the course, right? For I am persuaded, he says, that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. So he's covering every base. Nothing, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what do we read in the beginning? We've got to walk in the spirit. We've got to be led by the spirit. We can't be led by the carnal flesh, okay? But when we're in the spirit and we're walking in the Lord and we're trusting in the Lord, God is for us. God is with you. So God bless. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Let me see here if anything else was said. Nope, that's all the comments I've gotten in thus far. So we'll go ahead and call it a night. Like I know you and you folks in Gettysburg, what time is it? 11 o'clock, late night people. Well, God bless you guys. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Um, if this has been a blessing to you, you can share it with others. Um, if you feel so inclined, you can subscribe to us on YouTube. Um, and we just want to get the word out, get the word of God out and just encourage and exhort people in the things of the Lord. Thank you, Becky. God bless you. Thank you for watching. Glad you enjoyed it. And uh, we will go ahead and call it a night. So we'll see you next time. Lord willing, we'll do this again next Wednesday night uh, throughout the week in between kind of my work schedule. I do record some live teachings during the week. If you want to go to our website and um, check us out there, um, you know, if you want to reach out to, to us, there's a form on there that you can fill out to contact us. If you have something you, you would like me to pray for you about, you know, what's funny is that I mentioned on the bottom of the screen there that if you want to email me, um, that I will look at those emails too if you have any questions. But uh, I haven't done that. So I'm just going to make sure here before I go off the air that I don't see anything in email. And I do not as of yet. But if you do want to email me, a loveoutreach at gmail.com is the best email address. If you have any questions or anything we can pray for you about. So. Isaac said, thanks for the study. Romans 8.28 was a great verse. Amen, Isaac. God bless. David, thanks for watching. Thanks for the thumbs up. We will see you all next time. God bless.